Man, it's wonderful to be here today. I am so excited to share from God's Word. If you're watching online this morning, welcome. Thank you for being part of the service. We're glad that you're here today, too. Let us know you're watching this morning. I'm really excited about the message today, and I'm really excited to share a couple of stories as well from my time in Israel. I just got back about a week and a half ago. And so actually, just to kind of start it off, to kick it all off, give you a little tease of some things of what it was like there. Um, <clears throat> there it was a pastors-only trip, and so all of us went. We didn't have any spouses. It was just the pastors. And all of us were bringing different things into this trip. You know, for me, I was bringing a lot of um, anxiousness, which I will come back to. I wasn't the only one. But one pastor, he was bringing, uh, he had like a knot in his foot. He, he, he was actually nervous. He almost dropped out of the trip. He was so nervous. Like, how am I going to walk? They were telling us, they're actually saying, like, walk before you go on this trip. If you're not used to walking, we're going to do a lot of walking. So he came on the trip anyway, but he's like, you know, I don't know how I'm going to make it through. So the first thing that uh, we, the first site we went to was the Jordan River. And some of us decided to get baptized at the Jordan River where Jesus himself was baptized. Very cool to be there. Very amazing. And this pastor, he got baptized. And as he uh, was coming out of the water, he slipped. And after he got out of the water, he realized his foot was completely healed. And he didn't tell anybody until the end of the trip. And he said, guys, I have to tell you, we had this goodbye dinner. He's like, you know, I was so nervous. I almost dropped out of this trip. I didn't know what I was going to do. It's been bothering me leading up to this trip. And I was healed at the Jordan River. Now, here's the other thing. He's, uh, when it comes to denominations, we had different denominations on the trip. He's Wesleyan, so that's like not really part of like their expected theology. We're Pentecostal. We, we get excited about healings and stuff. But he, he, like even now, he's still kind of like, I can't believe what happened to me while I was there. Just a, one way that he encountered the power of God. And so I think that's a really cool story. And, you know, when it comes to winning the war in our minds, a lot of us, we want God to work like that. And sometimes he does, because, I mean, I just told that story, because God sometimes does that. But a lot of times, it's a process. When it comes to winning the war in our minds, it can be a process. Again, for me, I brought some anxiety, some anxiousness into this trip. And like I said, I wasn't the only one. Some of the pastors actually wrote out a will for their families, like multiple guys, because like it, you've never been there, you're afraid, you're thinking of security, you, you don't know what's going to happen to you, you don't have any context, so you're like, your mind is, is, well, what if this happens, what if that happens? And you know, a lot of you guys were excited for me, but before, before I left, I'm thinking to myself, I, I know God's in control, I know God's going to protect me. But I'm sitting there, but what about this? Well, what about that? But what if this happens? I know God's in control, but, you know, you ever feel that way, that you, you want to do something or you want to think a certain way, but you can't? Why don't we do what we want to do? Our mind is a battlefield. Our minds are a battlefield, right? You, you decide, I, I, I want to be nicer to my spouse. I'm going to get it together. We're going to make up. We're going to, I'm going to do good. And then you find yourself yelling at your spouse again. Or you say, I'm going to save up. You know, we've been talking about it, I'm going to save up, but there you go, spending again. You say, I really want to trust God, I want to believe God in this area, but all you do is worry and worry and worry and worry about it. Because our minds are a battlefield. 
And I want to give you a visual example of why this happens, why our minds are like this. One of the things that I also got to do while I was in Israel, I went to somewhere called the Golan Heights. And so this is above the Sea of Galilee. I kind of put it on the map there too a little bit. Uh, uh, northeast part of Israel. It's this mountainous area that actually used to belong to Syria. So you see in the pictures, we were off-roading in these Jeeps. It was pretty cool. It was like a rainy day, uh, kind of muddy, and, and there were these grooves in the road, the ruts. Like, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was really cool just to be able to do this. We went to the Syrian border. It was very interesting. But I actually was passing through an active minefield. So those pictures I have are pictures of a minefield on either side. And so you may say, well, how the heck did you get through that? Well, that's the whole way a minefield is designed is so you have to use these set pathways. And the more you use them, like, it's like these grooves have been formed in the road. These ruts have been formed in the road. That's how it's designed. So, like, if you want to bring a tank through, you have to squeeze it through this one pathway. Our minds actually work the exact same way. We have what are called neural pathways, that every single time you think a thought, your mind creates a pathway. And the more you think a certain thought, the the stronger, the more dominant that pathway becomes. Your mind wants to travel and use the same exact pathways. This makes a lot of sense. You know, it starts even when you're young, if, you know, a baby smiles and they look up at their mother and the mother smiles back, you know, there's, there's, there's a thought, there's a pathway, there's some wiring that's taking place that's like, hey, that's good. And that's why all of us know not to touch a hot stove because you touch a hot stove or you touch a hot iron one time and your brain made a connection, made a pathway. Okay, when I see that, I'm not going to touch that. That's how your brain works. It, it, you, you, it's, it's programmed this way. I was talking to a dad this week, and he said, uh, he's like, yeah, I'm a very careful person. I think I'm passing too much off to my son, though, because he's like, my son, he'll pick something up under the table, back up for like five feet before he gets up, because he's being extra careful, because there are these pathways that form in your brain. I got to be careful. Got to be careful. Okay, I got to be careful. I'm safe. You know, the more we think a thought, the easier it becomes to think that thought again. And so you can see how this is, I mean, really great when it comes to truth. But I'm sure you can see how this is really a problem when it comes to our sin and it comes to the lies that we believe, how our mind uses these set pathways. It's how it navigates the battlefield of life. And so like Pastor Jeff talked about, Last week, I loved week one of this series. We're talking about winning the war in your mind. He talked about how the enemy wants to make a stronghold in your mind. Because most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. Your life's moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. I want to live different. Why does it seem like I want to trust God and it doesn't work? Why do I want to be nice to my spouse and and, and then I'm mean? Why? What's the disconnect? Because if I don't control what I think, I'll never control what I do. There's an amazing scripture that speaks to this, kind of using this as a springboard again for the message this morning. And look, I can use any number of famous quotes. I'll quote one or two people maybe. 
I could give an illustration from a movie or something, but this is more than just good advice. This is God advice. This is divine power to live a different life, a radically different life. And that's why we're reading from this this morning. It's in Romans 12, 2, written by the Apostle Paul. Here's what he says. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you're writing notes, you want to write this down. In order to take your mind back, you need to retrain your mind. In order to take your mind back, you need to retrain your mind. If you don't control what you think, you'll never control what you do. If you feel like, I'm never going to be good enough. If you feel like, I'm never going to get over this addiction. I'm never going to get over these doubts and questions I have about God. If you keep thinking that way, chances are you're not going to. And scripture says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Your brain creates grooves, pathways, ruts in your mind to navigate the battlefield of this life. But God's word says, so be transformed. Retrain your mind. Dig a new trench. Create a new pathway. You don't just say one time, I want to be a little nicer. You know it doesn't work. You actually have to create a new pathway in your mind. You need to retrain your mind. I will give you a quote. (laughs) Yoda says it great, you must unlearn what you have learned, right? Master Yoda from Star Wars. You've got to retrain your mind. Another translation words this Bible verse this way. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We're being squeezed into a mold, into a pattern of thought. But God says, retrain your mind, be renewed by transforming transforming your mind, we need to dig different trenches. And so how do we do that? How do we transform our mind? How do we retrain our mind? I mean, is this something I just pray away? I just pray and it just happens? I'll just pray and it'll happen, right? Well, I mean, yeah. Okay, yes. That's what we're going to talk about, actually. But, you know, sometimes we can say that, well, I I prayed. Well, I thought you just prayed away. You know, when we talk like that, you're really talking about wishing it away, and then you just like slap on, you label it prayer, but you're, you're not praying. You're, oh, well, I prayed it away. You, you wished it away. I wish it, this would go away, comma, God. I, <laughs> no, we're going to talk about praying it. Uh, oh, how, how do you pray and retrain your mind? We've got to retrain our minds through discipline and prayer. Just like when you go to train your body, right? When you go to train your body, it's not just what you put out. It's not just what you work out. It's, it's what you put in as well. And your mind's the same way. When I was a freshman in college, I took a weight training class. And uh, I, I didn't really like working out or exercising, but I, you know, I, I signed up for this class. And uh, the coach had us log our diet, right, what you we were eating throughout the day. So I'm a freshman in college. What do you think is on my diet, okay? Cheez-Its, Pringles, and vanilla Coke. That was what was on my diet. So I meet up with the coach, and he says, you know, Matt, you're really committed. You're here all the time. Uh, But, you know, your diet, it's working against you. You're working out. Maybe you see some results. But all the stuff you're putting into your body, it's working against you. 
And it's the same thing with our mind. If you want to retrain your mind, it's not just what we put out, it's also what we put in. Again, there's a scripture that has meant a lot to me. This is a scripture will be in the rest of the sermon, talking about how do we do this? How do we retrain our mind? This scripture is one of my life verses. Many of you have probably heard it before, but man, you can never hear it enough. This is written by the Apostle Paul to Timothy, a young pastor. This is his protege, his uh, you know, pastor he was mentoring. Paul was a church planter. He wrote this verse, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, and self-discipline. So how do I retrain my mind? Our mind is a battlefield. How do I retrain my mind? The first one is this, identify the lies. identify the lies. We're kind of building on the idea that Pastor Jeff talked about last week, how we have a stronghold. The enemy wants to make a stronghold. We take every thought captive. That's what Paul says. Take every thought captive, right? Give it to Christ. Well, we're building on that now. So we want to identify the lies. And look what Paul does. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Now, I bet Timothy, he's a pastor, okay? I'm sure he wouldn't have said, you know what I think about God? I think God has given me a spirit of fear. You know, I don't think he would have said that. But Paul was able to identify the lie that Timothy was experiencing, the stronghold that was in Timothy's mind. I, don't, I, don't, I know that this isn't true, but I don't feel like it's true. I don't believe it. This has become a stronghold for me. I'm afraid. I'm timid. And Paul is putting his finger on it. God's spirit does not give us fear. If you're feeling fearful, that isn't from God. That's a lie. And so if you want to retrain your mind, you need to identify the lies that are in your mind. What's a stronghold that is holding you back? I want to give you one of mine that I was able to identify on getting ready for this trip to Israel and think about this message and stuff, kind of reflecting, identifying the lies. You know, one lie that I struggle with. This isn't true. I would never tell somebody this is true. If you came to me and said this, I'd say, oh, that's not true. But this is something that I, it just, it's in my head. I feel that sometimes a, a lie that I believe about God is that for every blessing God gives me, he wants to take one away. I don't know why I think that sometimes. I have some reasons why I think maybe I've developed that, but it, it's, like, it's like a pathway in my mind. It's like a neural pathway I've developed that anytime God gives me a blessing, I start to calculate, you know, which one he's going to take away. I don't know why. So it's a blessing for me to go to Israel, to experience this. I was the youngest pastor on the trip, so it's so amazing to be able to go. But I'm already sitting there trying to calculate what God's going to ruin in my life as a result. I mean, it's crazy. And if you came to me and said, Pastor Matt, this is what I think about God, I'd say, no way. God loves you. He would never do that. 
But for me, it's like a stronghold in my mind. It becomes so strong. I have, I'm, ang- I'm anxious now getting before this trip. I'm, I'm increasing in anxiety. I'm nervous. I don't even know if I want to go anymore. That's how I was getting in my mind. What's a stronghold in your life? What's a lie that you believe about God? Or a lie that you believe about yourself? Perhaps a lie that you believe about others. Romans 12.2 says, to be transformed, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed. Retrain your mind. And so for, oh, for you, you may feel like, man, I'm never going to get control of my health. It's a lie you believe, but it's a stronghold. I'll never be able to get control of my health. I'll never be able to get control of My finances, I'll never get out of debt. I'll never have a meaningful job that I love. I could see you love doing this, Pastor Matt. That's great. I'm never going to be in a place where I can, I'm somewhere where I love. I'm never going to get over this addiction. Yeah, I know God helps people. I know he moves. I know he's real. But this will always have a hold over my life. I'm always going to be a victim. What is that stronghold in your mind? I'm never going to feel close to God. I've heard other people talk about experiencing God. I've heard other people feel like they want to be close to God. I'll never be close to God. Young adults, some of us, it's like, I'll never get married. What's that stronghold that's in your mind? Identify the lie. If you want to retrain your mind, identify the lie. And the next one is this, replace it with truth. Replace it with truth. And that's exactly what Paul does in this passage. God has not given us this spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power and love and self-discipline. He says, this is not what God has given you. Here is what God has given you. Here's what God has given you. Power, love, self-discipline. I can walk And the confidence that comes from God because of the spirit that he has given me, his Holy Spirit, I can walk in that kind of confidence. So if I'm struggling to know God's will, God, what is your will for my life? I feel like I I hear people talk about that. What is your will? Replace it with truth. The truth is that my life belongs to God. The truth is that God directs my steps. So the truth is, if I do what God wants me to do today, and then I do what God wants me to do tomorrow, and I do what God wants me to do the next day, I will be walking in the will of God. I feel like I don't know what God's will is. What is he? He hasn't revealed it to me. But the truth is, if I do the next right thing today, if I follow God's will today, tomorrow, the next day, I'm going to be walking in God's will. If I'm lacking confidence... I don't think I can do this. I don't think I'm good enough. The truth is, Jesus is my confidence. The truth is, Jesus is my provider. He has done everything for me, and so my confidence is in him. His spirit lives inside of me, so I can do anything God calls me to. If you feel like a victim, the truth is, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ. I'm not my past, I'm not my sin, and I'm not my weaknesses because God has given me 
His Spirit. I'm not what other people say I am. I'm a conqueror in Christ. If I'm fighting lustful thoughts, the truth is I'm not a slave to those thoughts. The truth is God has redeemed my mind. He's redeemed me. He's purified my mind. So I will walk in integrity. And if I'm tempted in my thoughts, God will provide a way out of that temptation. That's the truth. You feel like I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money to get out of debt. I don't have enough money for retirement. The truth is that my security comes from God, not from any amount of money. The truth is that God will provide for all of my needs. He'll give me enough money to pay the bills today. He'll give me enough money to retire at the right time. God is my provider and security, not my bank account or my paycheck. And if you're like me, you feel like God wants to take away a blessing for every blessing he gives you, the truth is that he loves you. God has given us a spirit of love. The truth is that God wants to lift the anxieties and the worries and the cares off of us because he cares for us. That's the truth. Another scripture that's so powerful, talking about replacing it with truth. Retrain your mind, identify the lie, replace it with truth. Here's another passage that Paul wrote. He's in prison in this passage we're going to read, and he writes this. He's in house arrest in Rome So he's likely awaiting execution. In his mind, there's a good chance he could die. And he writes to this church, and here's what he says. Philippians 4, 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. God is not faithful. You should give it all up. One final thing. It's all a wash. You know what? Do something else before you end up like me. That's not what he says. He's in prison. Maybe he's going to die. And he says, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Think about these things. Identify the lie, but then replace it with what's true. You think about these things so that you can meditate on God's Word. So how do I retrain my mind? We're saying, one, identify the lie. Two, replace it with truth. And three, meditate on God's Word. Paul says, think about these things. Or the the New King James will say, meditate on these things. Now, you may say, uh, oh, meditate. Wait, do you do that in church? Is that allowed? I, I thought, is that weird or something? Uh, You know, is that a little like new age, like becoming one with the universe, like meditation? Yeah, okay, I guess for some people it could be, or or, uh, Eastern meditation a lot of times, like empty your mind, empty your mind, right? That's what the Jedi do, empty your mind. But uh, that's not what we're talking about. Oh, you know, actually, I I, I got an Apple Watch recently. I love this thing. And there's a mindfulness app. There Actually, there's Apple Fitness Plus. They have like a whole workout thing. And they have all these meditations in the workout stuff. I'm like, if, you put, if they put prayer to Jesus in there, it'd be like, get out of here. But, but we can have meditations in there. Okay. So, you know. But man, our culture, it's starving for God. That's what this is saying. We're starving for God. 
The definition of meditation you see on the screen, it's to engage in a mental exercise, to focus your thoughts. So biblical meditation is to focus on God's truth, to focus my thoughts on God. And this is actually all over the Bible. This is all over Scripture. I mean, Paul just said it, meditate on these things. But here's a couple Psalms that David wrote. You see it on the screen, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I remember the days of long ago, I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. So meditating on God's word, it's filling your mind with God's truth on who God is, on what he has done, on what he's done long ago, all throughout history and other people's lives, what he's done in my life. I'm going to fill my mind with God's truth. Meditation, meditating on God's word, it's a skill. Sitting down, focusing on that, it's something you have to develop. I mean, that's what Paul says to Timothy. God has given us a spirit of self-discipline. I don't know if you ever watched The Karate Kid. Uh, both of them are great. The new one, Jackie Chan, he, he's, he says, uh, your focus needs more focus, right? Sometimes that's the case, but, but God has given us that spirit of self-discipline. Through the Holy Spirit, I can do it. So I want to run through an example with you. Is that, does that work for you? I want to run through an example really quick. Again, uh, this, is, this has meant a lot to me, some of these scriptures that I'm sharing with you today. <clears throat> in, uh, in my Bible, there's a little blurb before the scripture. It says, the cure for anxiety. <laughs> so if I told you this is the cure for anxiety... Anybody, do you want this? Like, would you take it right now? Because it's right there. It says it. Jesus taught. So it's the Sermon on the Mount. I was there, by the way. It was really cool. Uh, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And right at the end, Jesus says this verse. Ready? Matthew six thirty three. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Now, anyone like me is like, I don't feel any less anxious. Do you feel any less anxious? God's in control. Great. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't, it's not helping right now. Okay. Well, we're identifying the lie. We're replacing it with truth. And we're going to meditate on God's word. So let's focus on this verse. It says seek. We don't even have to move any further than that first word. Seek. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek. It's intentional. Am I seeking God or is it just kind of like an accident when I kind of get around to it? Seek God. I have to, I have to go out of my way. I've I got to prioritize this. Seek the kingdom of God. Okay. Seek first. The cure for anxiety. Okay. Seek first. So not when I'm totally tired and have no more energy, everything's spent, I'm completely and mentally exhausted. God, I'm not feeling any better. No, seek first. Seek first. I have to prioritize. I have to make this important. Uh, but seek for first. First, wait, hold on. First, there's first, there's second, there's third. So there's an order. That means I'm, if I'm super spiritual, I'm just going to ignore my family, right? Because I've got to focus on God. No, 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 no. I need, to pr- I need to provide for my family. I need to find the order of things. But I'm going to prioritize seeking God. Okay, seek first. What's the next word? What's the next word up there? His. So not mine, not my kingdom. 
not my uh, career. I, I have goals, you know, but God has goals. He's the owner. It's his kingdom. He's the king. He's God. Who am I? I'm nothing. God ha- has allowed me to be part of this kingdom. I'm a steward. Anything I have belongs to God. Seek first his kingdom. His kingdom. There's a mission that God has. He's establishing his kingdom on this world. He's included me to be part of this kingdom. Sometimes God's kingdom is called the upside down kingdom. It's different than the world. God, I'm, I need to get on mission for you. Again, there's things I need to do. I, I have goals for my family. I have goals for my job. I have goals for my, my business. But your kingdom if I want the cure for anxiety, am I seeking the kingdom of God, his purposes, his mission, his plan to reach people? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness is right living. Am I living rightly? Jesus, help me to live like you. Help me to live like the upside down kingdom. Jesus, when somebody cuts me off, help me to respond like a kingdom person. When somebody votes different than me and they tell me what they think, help me not to be like the world. Help me to respond like a kingdom person. Help me to live like you, Jesus. And all these things will be given to you as well. God, you're my provider. Lord, you know everything I need. God, you're going to give it to me. You're going to give me everything I need. What do I have to be anxious about? Lord, there are a couple things. This is where I need you right now. And you can start to tell God about what those things are. And you know what we just did in about five minutes? We just prayed. You want to retrain your mind? You want to pray it away? (laughs) That's how you do it. Identify the lie. Replace it with truth. Meditate on God's word. And here's the last one I want to give you. And count on the power of God. Count on the power of God. Because like I said, this is more than just good advice. This is God advice. This is divine power to live a different life. If you want to retrain your mind, you want to win the battle in your mind, You don't have enough ability by yourself to do it. That's how I started with this example of all the different areas that we try to improve our life, and it doesn't work. You don't have enough willpower to do it because you have neural pathways in your brain that program you to make the same decisions. You need the power of God to move. But these other things that come beforehand, they lay a foundation in order for us to recognize when God is moving. Let me identify the lies, replace it with truth, meditate and fill my mind with God's word so that I can recognize the power of God. Man, our worship was amazing this morning. Every single word was great. We sang about how God moves even when I don't see it. God is always moving. But when you lay this foundation, you're able to count on the power of God. That's what Paul says. God has given us a spirit of power. And so I want to share one of the ways that I encountered the power of God on this trip. I have many uh, that I can share. I'm just going to give you one. And this is how it worked for me. 
Okay, not everybody, you know, how God speaks to you, you encounter God. It may be different, but some of you guys will definitely relate to this. And, and Pastor Bonnie, if you can come and begin to give us some music. Like I said, for me, I was taking some anxiety into this trip. And I, I think it got pushed back twice. There were so many COVID hoops we had to jump through. I got like four different COVID tests. You know, I think that all contributed to it. And like I said, I wasn't the only one. Some of these pastors even wrote up wills. You know, I mean, that's where we were. So I'm bringing some anxiousness into the trip. I think of Pastor Jeff's worry box illustration the Sunday before I left. Every time you take a worry out, you find a new one to put in. And that was me. God's in control. But what if this? You know, that's where my mind was. And, you know, I'm telling you this. You may have said, oh, Pastor Matt. I could have texted you a scripture if I knew you were being, if you were anxious about it. And I'm telling you, it wouldn't have helped because, because I knew God was in control. That's why I just asked everybody to pray for me. Cause just pray for me. Cause like that, I, I, it's a stronghold in my mind right now. And so before I, uh, left as I was identifying the lie, as I was praying, preparing for this trip, I, I could even tell you how I got to this verse, but basically I feel that God gave a verse to me to hang on to. As I was nervous about security, what's going to happen while I'm there, you know, things like that. God gave me this verse. It's Psalms 118, 17. It says, I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. And I didn't feel any better. I just want you to know that. I, so, oh, I, I got this verse. I was like, oh, everything's okay. No, I, I'm still like, but what if this? What if that? But I recognized, I was like, okay, I, I feel like this came from God. Uh, you know, so I'm going to hang on to it. Uh, you know, so fast forward, I'm in Israel and I get to go to the garden tomb. And here's a picture of me and one of the pastors I was with, Tim uh, from Searchlight, one of my great friends. Uh, we were able to go together. So amazing, right? And to me, being at the garden tomb, they believe this could be the tomb Jesus was buried in. It may not be, but it represents, right, what our faith is all about. This, to me, is the peak, the pinnacle of why you would want to go to the Holy Land to see the empty tomb. Jesus isn't in there, right? This is amazing to be there right now. So I'm there. You know, I, I brought some anxiety. I felt like God gave me a verse kind of before I came to this trip. I'm at the garden tomb. It's this amazing place. It's very beautiful, very well kept. And the tour guide there is giving us his testimony, his life story. And he shares about how five years ago he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And actually he should have died by this point in time. So the day he was diagnosed, you know, what do you even do after you hear a diagnosis like that? He was running a Christian conference, and the only person that he had told was his wife. The same day he got the diagnosis, he's at this conference, somebody comes up to him and says, I don't know why, but I feel like God told me to give you this verse, and it was Psalm 118, 17. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell of what the Lord has done. And I... I don't know if this hits you at all the same way, but the way that hit me, my mind was blown that God gave a scripture to me because he cared for me. He knew how anxious I was. God gives me something. Hey, Matt, just hang on to this. I'm at the garden tomb where Jesus rose from the dead, the greatest place you could go. 
And God takes time out of his schedule and gives me this Bible verse to confirm that he's with me. And man, what a verse to have, right? I went to, the, uh, to Israel, I went to the Holy Land to come back to tell of all the Lord has done. The tomb is empty, everybody. That means that Jesus is alive. That means Jesus has given us his spirit. You don't have to walk in fear. You don't have to walk in sin or in weakness. You can win the battle in your mind because Jesus has given us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. I'm here to tell of the glory of God. So he said, our minds are a battlefield. So to take your mind back, you need to retrain your mind. That's what Romans says, retrain your mind. And so we said, how do you do it? Identify the lies. We said, take every thought captive last week. So identify that lie. What's that stronghold? Replace it with truth. Meditate on God's word and count on the power of God. Doing these things is how you're going to recognize God moving in your life. If I had not been already identifying the lie, replacing it with truth, seeking God in scripture, if I had not been doing that, this man would have shared his testimony. He would have quoted that verse like he did for every single tour group. And I would have just said, that's a nice story. But instead, I was able to recognize the power of God in my life because I had laid this foundation before I left. How about you? What stronghold is in your life? I want to encourage you to stand to your feet this morning as we wrap up the sermon this morning. If you're watching online right now, can you identify what stronghold is in your life right now? There are people monitoring comments. Hey, it's okay. This is church. This is the place to be honest right now. We want to speak God's truth over your life. What is that stronghold that you are believing about yourself, about others? Maybe you feel like, You're never going to be good enough. If you're in the room right now, begin to identify what's a stronghold that you're facing. I feel like I'm never going to be good enough. I feel like I'm a victim. I feel like I'm just what people say. I care so much about what people think. I have this addiction. I I look at this late at night. I'm never going to be able to get over this. I know it's wrong. I I wish I could change. I'm never going to feel close to God. I'm never going to be close to Him. I, I feel like I'm totally out of control in my life right now. I can't control my family. I can't control the situation I'm in. We're never going to get a handle on this. What's the stronghold in your life? And what's the truth that you can replace it with? I have some scriptures on the screen that I just shared with you already in this service today. These are scriptures that have meant so much to me the last couple of weeks, last couple of months. How can you replace that lie with truth and how can you begin to focus your mind on God's truth what I want to do this morning is I want to pray for you as we begin to get out of here today with every head bowed and every eye closed I want to just say a prayer over you if you're here this morning and you would like me to pray over your life over a stronghold that might be in your mind you know you want to overcome it. I want to win the battle in my mind I don't know what it is That's okay. If you say that's me, Pastor Matt, I would love for you to pray a prayer for the stronghold I'm facing. Can you raise your hand so I can see who I'm praying for right now? I want to win the battle in my mind. Hands are going up all over this room. I want to win the battle in my mind. I want to walk in the freedom that God has. Let me pray for you right now. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you, God, that you have given us a spirit of power and love and self-discipline, Lord. 
And so I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here in the room right now, for all of the different strongholds that we're facing, God, the the battlefields that are going on in our minds. Lord, I'm thankful for the truth that you've already conquered. I'm thankful, God, that we are more than conquerors in you, Christ, because of what you have done. And so, God, I pray for all of my friends now that you would help us to identify the lie. Lord, when we want to be better, when we want to be different, when we want to be better with our spouse, we want to save up, we want to make a better decision, we want to live on mission for you, we want to be close to you, Lord God. Help us to identify the stronghold. Give us a scripture verse, Lord God. Give us a conversation. Give us a worship song, Lord, that we can hang on to, where we can replace that lie with truth and we can meditate on your word. We can fill our mind with your truth, Lord God. I pray that right now you would begin to fill our minds with what is true about your love, about your plan, about your purposes for our lives, Lord God, so that we can walk in your freedom. We can walk in your confidence, Lord God. We can walk in the power of God and advance your kingdom on this earth. And as we're still in this attitude of prayer, I want to have one more invitation before we leave today. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you would like to invite him into your life today, I want to pray a prayer with you. If you say, I want to win the battle in my mind, I hear what you're saying, Pastor Mary. You encountered God. The Holy Spirit's with you. That's amazing. I, would, I wish that could happen in my life. You can walk out of here today with that same confidence. If you're here today and you've never prayed a prayer to invite Jesus into your life, can you raise your hand so I can lead you in a prayer this morning? I want to give you that opportunity. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray that your truth would ring heavy in our minds, ring heavy in our hearts, Lord God, that when we feel constricted by the strongholds, when we feel squeezed by the mold that the world has put us in, God, that you would set us free with your truth. And Lord God, again, that we can walk in the victory you have and the confidence that you have. And Lord, that we would be seeking your kingdom, your purposes, your righteousness, Lord God. Thank you for this time together. I pray that all of us would walk in the power that comes from your spirit today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a great Sunday.